0: Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between five and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. So I'm going the no ad and no-sponsor route with this. So if you're someone who enjoys the show, and can afford fancy coffee whenever you want, please consider heading over to danielmeisler.com support to become a member for just 10 bucks a month. Becoming a member helps the show continue and gets you access to special content created just for members, as well as supplemental content from every episode. A number of people have complained that there are too many stories in the newsletter. So in 2018, I've decided to Keep the newsletter and podcast its regular curated size, and then make the extra story and leak content available to members on the blog as an additional perk of membership. It's basically an unabridged version just for members. And finally, thanks to everyone who's already become a member in 2018. It's really appreciated. All right, welcome to episode 113. I'm going to start off with security news. Almost immediately after the Parkland school shooting, Russian Twitter bots started trolling on both sides of the debate. We're basically watching a foreign government use social media to increase internal strife within the U.S., and we're starting to learn more about the Russian troll farm companies that are actually doing it. Some may see this as political news, but I definitely see it as security news, because as someone who was both in the military and spent time in intelligence... I find the whole thing fascinating that we're able to watch in real time while a foreign government uses private companies to basically try to control this. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, the U.S. has done this forever. You know, everyone tries to influence the governments of others, you know, and so on. And I think that's all true. And I think, yes, the U.S. is probably doing something similar to this, but we don't normally get to watch it happen in kind of a transparent and obvious way. And that's what I find fascinating about the whole thing. The CIA, FBI, and NSA are advising people not to buy or use products from Huawei or ZTE. They basically say that they're compromised and uh, not a good idea to use. Bongo International, now owned by FedEx, left an S3 bucket unsecured that contained 119,000 scanned ID cards in it. And this is US people, international people, um, Canadians, a b- bunch of different groups. But it's got actual images of their scanned photo IDs. So uh, S3 wins the day again. US intelligence says China and Russia are building destructive space weapons. I was just thinking the other day, maybe I was daydreaming, I'm not sure, but I was thinking about BBs or pellets of metal that you would basically put something in orbit in an opposite direction. And I'm sure there'd just be tons of math around this, but just sort of launch large numbers of pellets into orbit that would just destroy like a shotgun, like a high-powered shotgun, like a railgun shotgun. Anything that they touched. I think the downside is it'd be really easy to miss because, from uh, from what I can understand, space is big. But um, there's also the issue that they would just be floating out there, these extremely high-speed projectiles, and you, if you didn't know, if you didn't do asset management really well yourself, they could hit your own stuff as well. But I was just thinking that'd be kind of interesting to have uh, tiny little projectiles in large quantity be used as, um, as weapons. Um, Facebook asked people to turn off two-factor authentication, um, or to turn on two-factor authentication. And then when they asked for the phone numbers to use for the 2FA, they spam them on the phone numbers. I wouldn't know this because I don't go to Facebook anymore. But, um, yeah, this is uh, this is crazy. And the article basically says, yeah, they're so desperate for interaction, they're gonna hit you up for 2FA and then spam you on the phone number that you give them. It's quite sad. Millions of Android devices have been crypto-jacked to mine Monero by either installing compromised applications or having the victim run a browser-based miner in the background. A professional spyware company called Retina X Studios got hacked again. They got hacked last year and evidently just happened again. The attacker said they did it because the company was anti-privacy. So yes, keep the hacktivists in your threat models, especially if you have a business model that people are likely to object to, being a spyware company. Cell security just raised 12.5 million to use AI to block bots on your websites, mobile apps, and APIs. Uh, looks like the management team has a pretty good uh, pedigree there. The words of heart dating website matches you with other people who share the same password. Really wish this was some kind of a joke story, but evidently it's true. So basically you sign up, you give them a password, which is like abc123 or password1 or password with a zero instead of a O and other people who have the same one, I hope they're hashing and just not just matching the plain text, but either way, people who have the same password are like, yeah, you, you guys think alike, which um, in this case would be you guys think horribly and alike. Hmm. Weird. Um, Patching. February 2018 Patch Tuesday report. This is by um, Brian Krebs. Always a good read. Basically, there's a whole bunch of Windows patches and Flash and all the usual suspects. Technology news. Uh, For the first time ever, we've captured an image of a single atom. It looks like a dot on the page. Which I imagine that's what you would expect it to look like. But you don't get to see like electrons flying around because that's not how that works. It's not like planets and a sun. But you do see a single dot, which I've always wanted to see. It's quite um, rewarding to actually see it. Real world tests of 5G show it to be 14 times faster than 4G. Can't wait for that. Google has removed the view image button from Google images, requiring you to go to the source website, uh, to see the photo. I, I kind of like it. I mean, I use view image, but I feel bad about doing it. So I kind of feel okay. You basically just hit the globe icon, uh, for visit, visit or visit site, whatever it is. And it takes you to the site where you can go and get the image, but now you're being forced to interact with the actual web page. I find it ironic that Google is doing this when they've also doing AMP, which is the opposite. They're forcing you to remain on their page to see the content and um, not take you through to the website. So really strange. Um, I I guess basically the publishers have pushed um, so strong on them to avoid having their stuff ripped off that um, they finally got this change pushed through. So I'm I'm happy uh, for publishers I've had tons of images uh, stolen, so kind of like it myself. Um, and It will also discourage me from taking images that uh, I probably shouldn't um, take, although for the last several years I've been pretty good about that. I do I do um, try and find the author and credit the author. Um, and in some cases where there are art pieces, I reach out to them and say, hey, you know, can I use this or whatever. But uh, I think most people don't do that. And uh, it's a good change in that sense. Amazon looks to be making their own AI chips for Alexa. So I don't know what that means exactly. Um, Some of the articles said they'll be faster, but okay, that's fine. But I imagine it also means cheaper for them. ARM is planning two new AI chips as well in a project they're calling Trillium. And China is absolutely looking to win the war for AI dominance. And uh, this article here basically talks about uh, how they're just spinning up this massive infrastructure and these massive projects and spending billions on it. I think the U.S. is doing the same, but not in an organized way, right? It's all just private industry because the government is basically, um, you know, leaderless at this point. Uh, Human news, taking quiet breaks after learning something new can significantly help you remember it. This one's quite interesting. So basically, if you consume some really uh, deep content, like I'm doing a bunch of machine learning uh, stuff right now, they say that you get a massive benefit, like tens of percentage points. Like I saw some numbers that were like 20, 30 percent you know, 50%, 60% better learning. And they say it helps uh, people with dementia. It helps people who um, have other problems with learning things. Uh, You basically consume for a certain amount. It doesn't actually give like prescriptive guidance of uh, how long to study and how long to pause. But I'm assuming that when you, your body, your mind starts telling you to stop, you should probably just stop. And it said to take a quiet break. So don't go do something else. Just sort of sit quietly and think about what you've learned and let your mind sort of wonder, but still thinking about the concepts, but in peace and quiet. And it says that this basically uh, cements the content in there and helps you learn way, way better than if you didn't do that. Um, So I, I thought it was really interesting. Study shows that type 2 diabetes can be reversed with a low-calorie diet. I think we've seen a lot of these studies recently. It's good to see another one. Top school attendance doesn't seem to matter much for interview performance. So this interviewing.io uh, site or company is pretty cool. They keep doing a bunch of studies like these. Um, and they found that it just doesn't matter that much. Um And Google found the same thing, of course, for work performance. Turns out it didn't matter if you went to college or where you got your degree or if you have a bachelor's or a master's or, you know, what school you went to. They thought they were going to find all these cool correlations. Turned out they didn't. And it turned out it was the management structure that made all the difference. Remote workers are causing problems for coffee shops because they basically occupy a spot for another customer and don't necessarily keep buying throughout the day. So uh, it doesn't really matter for like Phil's or Starbucks or whoever, because they have lots of money. But for these smaller shops, they were hoping for like a vibrant, like people come in and they talk and they interact and you know, they buy things. And it's just like this little community inside the coffee shop. But instead what they're getting is people with headphones on, looking at laptops, and not buying anything. And the whole place is full and quiet with nobody buying anything. But they don't wanna say, hey, you need to buy something because they'll just leave and they'll blacklist you and they'll be mad at you and they'll go somewhere else. But they also don't wanna let this happen because they're just losing money every day. So bad spot to be in. I I think the real move here is to rely on um, compassion and not force. So if you say something to them, with a sign or with humor or with kindness that, Hey, you know, our business depends on you guys buying something or just being extra nice to the patrons and getting them to care about you as a business. And, you know, as business owners, I think that's the only move that will work here. Um, Anything else will either alienate them or you'll just go out of business eventually. Poor fitness is linked to weaker brain fiber and higher dementia risk. So, yeah, lots of studies around this as well. Uh, essentially, fitness in one area seems to be helping fitness in other areas, including the brain. So, I think uh, these studies are always good. I, I'm i looking for sort of the master algorithm here, which is the name of the book I'm reading, by the way, but unrelated but uh, the idea of what is the methodology for a day, right? I feel like this is really important. I wrote a post about this a while back. Uh, I think I called it algorithmic learning. And the idea was that you could read all these stories, right? And you can read all these articles and they help you and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. But the very next day, what do you do? You do your normal routine. So unless you have a routine and you're changing that routine based on what you've read, It's not super helpful to be reading this stuff. I I think it is. There's like this osmosis um, idea. There's this, um, the idea that the subconscious is working on all this new data and it's subtly making changes without you actually steering. But um, I think there's a limit to that, um, how much improvement you can get from that model when compared to how much you can get from actually making a change in a tangible methodology. So for example, if some article says, oh, you need strength training rather than walking. Okay, well, add strength training to your workout routine, which you do every day. And you know, not doing that means you haven't really benefited from reading that content. So um, I guess this is a reminder to myself and to others that have a methodology for what you should do every day. And improve that methodology with the knowledge that you gain. Ketamine, ketamine—I'm not sure how to pronounce that—keeps uh, coming up as a real way to counter depression. I've been meaning to tell my friends about this. I, I just don't want to advise them to do something because um, I'm not a doctor, and if their doctor's not telling them to do it, although I'm having lower and lower opinion of most doctors, extremely high opinion for some and. a a plummeting opinion of most doctors um i guess i could research and find out what the recommended way to take ketamine is or ketamine or whatever but um i don't know it just feels very doctory and i'm extremely not a doctor so uh it feels a little bit weird but if people are suffering and the stuff is relatively safe which i don't even know if that's true um anyway I think I'm going to look into it and see if I can help some people uh, without setting off my um, you're not a doctor alarm. Ideas, trends, and analysis. Information security professionals cannot be ludites. This one is really sort of bothering me. I'm kind of starting to see a lot of security people acting like... um, people trying to teach abstinence for sex education. So it's like, hey, how do we have sex in a safe way? Well, easy, don't have sex. Um, And the stats bear out that that is the worst possible thing you can do, right? And I feel like we're doing that for IoT, we're doing that for machine learning, we're doing that for cryptocurrencies. Um, My Twitter is basically full of InfoSec people just constantly making fun of the entire iot is dumb don't connect anything to the internet nobody needs a connected you know fill in the blank cryptocurrency is a giant scam there's nothing about it that's interesting distributed ledger is stupid Um, machine learning is all snake oil it won't actually get us anything but I'm actually part of a bunch of other communities, right? Where I'm reading tons of books and w- watching what experts are doing in other parts of tech, right? And crypto currency and distributed ledger and blockchain, this is not by any stretch of the imagination snake oil. Now, ICOs have gone a little crazy. And a bunch of these, you know, there's too many coins out there and people are trying to make a ton of money off of it. But they did that with gold too, right? They did that with um, electricity and cars and anything that's actually cool, people will pretend to have something like it, which is actually fake, right? So you can't judge a bunch of charlatans. You can't judge an industry by the fact that there are charlatans in it. Um, In fact, you could make an argument that it's the opposite, right? Right? that the reason they're there is because the ecosystem can maintain them because there's actually something to it. Now, I'm sure there's flaws to to that in some sense, but um, there are way too many people in InfoSec who just hate everything. If it's tech, it's like, oh, forget it, turn it all off. It's dumb, tech is stupid. Anything new that I didn't grow up with 30 years ago, oh, it's garbage. And that's and that's what they're constantly telling people. And it's like, no, you are an advisor, you are a shepherd, you are here to make the internet and the Internet of Things and machine learning and all these things better for people, more safe for people. And we, we can't be the the crazy preacher on the street yelling at people, you know, quoting scripture to them, because that's not helping anyone. So, um, yeah, that's what that one's about. I didn't read it, but you basically got the gist. Expect deep learning to be used by schools to predict violence. So the Parkland massacre, obviously a uh, huge, huge uh, issue. And uh, the crazy thing about it is so many people like, oh, yeah, it was him. Yeah, we all knew it was him. I mean, he walked up and introduced himself as, hi, I'm the school shooter. That's how he talk to people like on campus. I'm the school shooter or I'm school shooter. It's like, uh, okay. Um, then he told everyone he was going to do it. Then he was like talking about it in videos. So he was a, he was a gun freak and a knife freak. Um, then there was this huge breakup. Like this is all information that everyone had and everyone knew. And the moment this happened, everyone was like, oh, it really, really makes sense that he did it. Now there's this bias where everyone, you know, you kind of assume that you should have known things that happened, forget the name of the uh, fallacy but um, I'm sure there's a little bit of that as well. but in this case I think it was it was fairly obvious when someone calls themselves a, a school shooter and is a, a you know kicked out for um, bringing weapons to school he's actually expelled for that reason. They're just lots of different signs, right This is actually what machine learning and deep learning are good at is finding signs and boiling them up to humans to take action on. Now, there's another problem here, which is that uh, the thing was already boiled up, right? It already went to social workers. It already went to the FBI. It already went to the sheriff's department. And no one did anything. So deep learning wouldn't actually help you there, except for maybe making it a little bit harder to ignore. Because if just random people are saying this and random people are saying that, Maybe that won't be listened to as much as an algorithm, which is a little bit frightening, should be the opposite. But anyway, that's uh, some thoughts on that. I don't know why I'm talking so much about each story in this um, episode, but just going to go with it. Uh, The ability to fake voice and video is about to change everything. I posted this one a while back. Uh, This is an essay I wrote. I don't think people are getting this enough. I think people are ignoring it until it gets really big. And then it's going to be like, how do we not see this coming? Well, I could see it coming and it's very close and it's crazy. We are about to be able to spoof anyone's voice. We're about to be able to make it look like people said something via lip sync. right? We're about to make it look like anyone is in a video doing almost anything. That, that'll be a little bit further out. But we're about to make it so that you can make anyone look like they said or did anything with evidence. Now, consider that we're living in a world where you can have good evidence that something did happen. and People ignore it. You could have no evidence that something happened and millions of people will believe it or hundreds of millions or billions, right? So that's the current state of the world. Now imagine when there actually is evidence that these things happened when they actually didn't. This will do two things. It'll make people believe some really crazy stuff, right? But it will also make a lot of people not believe the stuff that actually does happen. So... You're, you're destroying the integrity of truth on both sides. You're, you're, ma- you're giving people solid reason to believe stuff that, that is not true at all. And you're making it completely legitimate to ignore when someone presents real evidence. Because you, they're just going to be like, well, that was easy to fake. I can fake any of that. So what are we going to do when you can't trust anything? What are we, we going to do when you can't trust a voice print of someone saying something, right? Oh, well, I caught them in the locker room and they said this about race or gender or corruption or inside training, uh, trading or whatever. It's like, I didn't say that. That was machine learning, you know? They they spoofed me. They're trying to frame me. So how do you, how do you as a society or as an individual or as a business adjust to this. I was thinking about it today, actually, I should probably add this to the piece, but I think the only answer is really this concept of resilience. You basically have to build such a strong character that so many people know you and your brand. So let's say you're a business and you sell whatever widgets, like you're just known for being wholesome. Like, like Mr. Rogers or whatever, you're just wholesome and everyone knows that you're wholesome and you only sell widgets and you know, you go to church every Sunday and people just consider you a good person. So when this thing comes out and it's like, Oh, you know, you're doing whatever and, uh, whatever, sniffing Coke. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you do when you're, when you're being bad because, um, that's just not kind of person I am. But, um, I'm trying to come up with examples that are bad, that are okay for a podcast. It's not working out, but let's just say you're being the worst person ever in this video, which is impossible to tell if it's you or not. What has to happen is the people have to be able to say, you know what I know myself from a bunch of other interactions that this is not what this company would do. So I think this is fake. Now this is really hard though, because how many people have actually going to have enough information about you to be able to make that opinion and counter the, the negative opinion? Um, I think it's, it's looking, this is bad. Okay. This, this is going to be really, really bad. I mean, you think social media and fake news is bad. Imagine when it's indiscernible from actual evidence. Um, we really need to start thinking about this. I, I don't think it's going to matter if we think about it, though. I, I don't know what we can do to prepare. The only thing I could say is is what we should be doing anyway, which is build a repertoire and a history and a brand based on having integrity. And then when these things come at you, it, it'll be easier to, to ignore them, right? So I I think, I mean, but that's fairly weak. I mean, that would be nice if that would work, but I feel like it might be the only thing we can do. But um, what what I would say is people are not talking about this yet, but um, listen for it and get ready for it. And if you have, you're responsible for children, you're responsible for companies, you're responsible for organizations, start thinking about what you're going to do when others can make it look like they did something that they didn't. Why decentralization matters. This is a piece by Chris Dixon. It's actually about blockchain. It's a pretty deep, um, really good piece and I would check it out. Uh, this next one, uh, right. So a new study has again demonstrated that the more gender equal a society the less women choose STEM careers. This has been known within social science circles for quite some time now, but it's such a politically hot topic in the U.S. that few people are aware of the actual science or that most scientists actually agree on this point. There's been a couple of documentaries on it that just kind of like laid it out there and made it very obvious to me. At the time, I was like, no, that's definitely not true. But after seeing that and reading a bunch, I'm like, wow. That's pretty strong. The prevailing theory for why this is true uh, seems to be that in low gender equality countries, the women are trying to do anything they can to earn independence and respect within society. So they basically go right for the STEM fields. And in countries where they already have a lot of equality, they tend to choose what they like to do better, which is not often STEM. We're not usually STEM. So I've known this for a while and I do accept it as true, but it's crucial that we guard against the mouth breathers on this, right? So as I wrote in my essay, uh, my approach to feminism, we have to both defend the truth that this is true, but also constantly remind chauvinists that these trends have nothing to do with individuals, right? Right? So, even if this were 100% true, which I do believe is true, that will still leave millions of women who love and prefer STEM, right, over other uh, pursuits, right? And there's no way to actually tell who will prefer STEM and who won't by looking at them. So, the only evolved thing to do here is to tell every little girl that she could be anything she wants and to encourage all career options constantly throughout our life, right? This means we won't necessarily cry discrimination if the STEM ratios don't equal 50-50, but it also means not discouraging even one woman from STEM just because, you know, air quotes, many others like something else. Scandinavia gets this, and the fact that they also get that school uh, should start later and be more relaxed for kids and they have way better test scores. So they get a lot of things, but um, it's definitely time for us to catch up uh, on this point as well. Get ready for a Palantir style AI based violence prediction on school campuses. There are far too many situations where it happens and basically everyone knew that the person would be the perpetrator. This is what I was talking about before. If it's obvious to them, the deep learning could probably find them as well. Basically, data collection is about to become the new American religion. Combined with machine learning, it will improve customer experiences, improve business outcomes, and predict violence outbreaks, which is basically the American trifecta at this point. Another link here. I have forgotten how to read. This is written by some writer and basically said that he tried to re- uh, read a book the other day at some point And it was like, tried to get through a chapter and just could not read at all. Sent it to my, the link to my girl actually, because she has the same problem. Um, But yeah, just like being unable to read, I guess because we're tuned so heavily for, having multiple inputs that maybe having a single input is really hard to get through. Like you can only get through like a very short paragraph and you know, the media out there is not helping it, I'm not helping either. I write in this format as well because I think it's easy to consume and I think it's simple and good. But, but if you look at like a BBC article or a lot of New York times uh, articles as well, it's one to two sentences per paragraph. It's super clean and you just fly through the article, you get the gist of it, you move on, right? Someone sees a block of text, usually they just leave. They're like, you know, not wasting my time. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good piece. Um, I personally think there's a solution to this, which is to just push through or switch to audiobooks. Um, But I, I can get through reading just by pushing through and forcing yourself to do it. Your body will remember. It's a quote from the abyss, by the way. Um, yeah, your body will remember how to read it, as long as you just have to remind it. Startups, this is a quote from somewhere cool online. Startups are by necessity filled with generalists. Big companies are filled with specialists. People underestimate how effective a generalist can be at things which are done by specialists. And people underestimate how deep specialties can run. These are simultaneously true. is <clears throat> super cool, I think. I love the one, underestimate how effective a generalist can be at things which are done by specialists. I absolutely believe that one. Um, I know a lot of specialists and I know a lot of generalists and the generalists seem to be far more effective, especially the really good ones, than most specialists. Uh, just because most problems these days are they're cross-discipline, right? Very few problems are just like, go and do this exact tiny little thing. And even if that were true, which it is in a lot of cases, like, like this thing is talking about, it is this ca- uh, like that in a lot of big companies. But who wants to be that person who is just like working out this tiny little equation, which is part of a larger equation, you're not even close to the question, which is far more interesting to me. All right, discovery. Like drinking water in the microphone. Seems kind of rude. Tastes good, though. Vim Anywhere. Got a little fire icon next to this one because it's awesome. When you're in a text field like WordPress or whatever, you're in some writing application medium, if you have no soul, Uh, when you're in a text field and you wish you had Vim, invoke a shortcut, get dropped into Vim, and then when you, you basically write inside of Vim, and then when you leave, when you do Shift-ZZ to exit, that is the magical 42 answer for Vim. How do you exit? Shift-ZZ. Um, you automatically the buffer gets closed, the the Vim window gets closed, and you pop back in to your calling application, the original application, like Medium or WordPress or wherever you were, and you just do Command V, and you paste it back into uh, the text field, <coughs> and you're done. So super cool. I installed it. I'm using it. It's awesome. OS Query plus Elk plus Collide equals threat hunting happiness. This is a super cool article. Um, I still have it open. I'm still going through it, but it's um, awesome. OS query is like the coolest thing ever. It's Facebook developed, I believe, pretty sure it is. Collide is like a commercial package for OS query. And Elk, of course, is a, is a, basically a Splunk alternative, Elastic, Logstash, and Kibana. But um, this is basically how to build a threat hunting stack using OS query. OS query, think of OS query as like s- SQL for an operating system, which makes sense, OS query. Um, how bro- back propagation works in machine learning. This is super cool stuff. I'm learning a bunch of machine learning right now. And uh, I'm getting ready to start messing around with a bunch of data sets in Python and Again, I'm not trying to become a specialist here. I just want to be good enough to know what the problems are, be able to move the problem sets around like Legos sort of in my mind when I see a real-world problem. And if I can actually go and hack on it and actually help uh, a true ML person on this, um, that would be even more fun. But... um, don't want to go too deep on it. For one, my math is not strong enough in most cases uh, to do it, but um, I feel that getting, you know, twice as deep as I am right now in a bunch of different machine learning areas, knowing the difference between, like this book I'm reading right now, it talks about all the different ways to approach machine learning and sort of this uh, concept of a master algorithm. And if I were to just have a full grasp of that, and be able to move seamlessly between these different ideas on how to approach problems, that's what I want to get to. Um, Because I think so much of the math is about to be abstracted anyway by um, programming languages, libraries, and stuff like that. But you can't use those programming languages or those libraries if you don't understand the problem set and you don't understand the solutions that are being abstracted by the code. And that's, uh, that's what I'm shooting for. So this uh, concept here, back backpropagation, um, I kept hearing it mentioned in a bunch of these books and videos. Um, and it turns out it is really just optimizing the previous layer's weights and biases to get the appropriate inputs in the current layer. And just doing that recursively all the way backward through the various layers. So that's what backpropagation is. If you've studied any ML or you're an expert in it, you know what that means. And maybe I messed it up, but that's my simplification of what it is. So uh, super cool for all you tabletop GMs out there. Here are two fantasy map generators. It's pretty cool. It makes it you know build you a map just like uh, Game of Thrones or whatever, with a bunch of names on it. Bunch of borders and all random, so it looks super legit. Collection of things the CTO wishes he'd known earlier. This is some really good stuff about technical debt and other issues. Real-time flight map of flights at SFO. Uh, this one actually has little graphics of of planes, like taking off and landing, and like it, it's it's a legit like visual. Downloadable, browsable database of 200,000 deleted Russian propaganda tweets. I'm going to go mess with this thing. It's got like a database. Um, I just want to see like what this company came up with as campaigns. Uh, Again, being intelligence before to some degree, I find this stuff really interesting. Some breathtaking pictures of Mars. Really high quality images. They look a lot like Earth. Maybe it is Earth. Maybe it's a hoax. Not really, but pretty soon we won't know. And uh, the Berlin conference in 1884 to 1885 was a meeting where a bunch of Europeans got together and decided how to divide up Africa. But now Europe is ashamed of what they did and China is colonizing it by themselves. That's quite a sad link. I don't know why I put it here. Passive income calculator. This thing is pretty cool. You basically decide how much money you want to make and you have these different knobs. How much you want to make from passive income and you've got these different knobs to tweak. <clears throat> Scott Galloway of L2 Inc. Talking about 2017 and 2018 predictions. This thing is super awesome. Um, he just rants about a whole bunch of stuff. He's got a cool personality. Um, he... Knows more about brands and branding and marketing than like anyone I could think of. <clears throat> I would check it out if, if you care about uh, Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple and all, all these companies, you know, wh- what they're doing, what their strategies are, who's going to win, who's going to fail, retail, like all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> <clears throat> Recommended sites for gathering IP reputation. PCAP X-Ray, visualize Packet Captures as a Network Diagram, and Appify Analyzer, helps you scrape specific data from a web This thing is magical. you got to check it out. Data and Statistics, this is my new section, which I just added recently. Netflix has more U.S. subscribers than cable television, 50 million versus 48 million. Apple sold more watches than Rolex, Swatch, and the rest of the Swiss watch industry combined. More than three-quarters of divorces between same-sex couples in England and Wales were between two women. As of July 2016, the Wayback Machine contained 15 petabytes of data. 73% of fish in the Northwest Atlantic have microplastics in their gut. 54% of countries, no, counties in 2014 had zero murders. 54% of counties had zero murders. And 2% of the counties had 51% of the murders. Nokia sold 4.4 million smartphones in Q4 2017, which is more than Google. Nokia is still alive. Twitch often has as many as a million people watching at any given moment and has already surpassed CNN and MSNBC and viewership notes for the week. I wanted to apologize to readers and this is mostly newsletter focused. Um, but of course the podcast is the audible version of the newsletter, but, um, if you get the newsletter, which you should definitely do, um, this applies to that. I uh, wanted to apologize to readers for doing numerous experiments regarding membership. So it's a hard problem when you've decided not to take money from ad networks or sponsors, which is basically what I pivoted to a few months back. And I realized that less than half percent, half of a percent. So 0.4% of uh, people receiving the newsletter are subscribers. So, I'm kind of considering now a model more like what Ben Thompson uses, right? Cause I was trying to figure out what adds value. I mean, I'm trying to say, Oh, well you get extended content. If you, if you uh, become a subscriber or you get um, AMAs, which I am going to still do an AMA regardless. Um, but uh, the idea is what makes, what would make a person want to go to the, to the paid tier? Right? Um, and the goal is to make it so that I don't uh, I don't keep spending, say 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week, or the entire Sunday basically is what it's been for the last couple months. the entire Sunday making a newsletter um, and not really uh, seeing any membership for it, right? because it, it's not really sustainable. I think, I think it'll start dropping in content or I'll just start missing weeks. Um, Cause half a percent doesn't feel like people care. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to manage this. So the idea that Thompson uses is he does a weekly one for free and then paid members get the daily one. So that keeps him motivated to keep doing the daily one. And then you're going to get the weekly one anyway, right? So for free. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think mine would be either once or twice a month for everyone. Because my structure is a lot different than his as far as the content. Uh, But then it would still be weekly for members. So for members, it wouldn't change, right? It'd still be a weekly newsletter. So what do you guys think of that? I'm torn on it. On the one hand, it seems like. Withholding content from most people just to encourage subscriptions is like gross. Uh, for some reason, I, I just don't like that. But then I think about and remember the idea that it's it's free content, right? Just comes less often, which still sounds pretty good. So basically, offer this the idea is to offer the same content less often for free, and then weekly as a member with, uh, and the price is still the same. It's just ten bucks a month. <clears throat> so let me think uh let me know what you think of the model it's uh daniel at com. if you have any ideas call me on the phone text me whatever is it rude is it annoying is it fair is it reasonable just let me know what you think uh, got to find out what this balance is like what is really good to get for free and what is really good to get as a member to uh encourage more subscriptions, but without being um, a jerk about it. So let me know. Currently still reading The Master Algorithm, which I've mentioned multiple times by Pedro Domingos. It talks about the idea of a universal learner, which is just crazy. So basically what he's doing is he keeps talking about, um, oh, we started here and this technique got us so far, but if you try this example, it fails. That's when everyone pivoted to this technique. And this technique for machine learning gets you much further, and it does all this, but if you try this example, it fails. And he just does this like five times. He talks about five tribes of machine learning. And um, all of these are on the path to him building what he's calling the master algorithm, which Instead of using a better technique than these, it's a, it's a combination of all the techniques. So um, I'm probably three quarters or more through it. <coughs> but it's just like the best thing ever. Um, I'm, I'm going to read this book multiple times. Talked about it on Twitter a bunch. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. Um, and I've been doing this series of videos on machine learning as well by Three Blue, One Brown. I was like, what is that? So I looked it up. He, one of his irises is three quarters blue and one quarter brown, which I think is just awesome. He used to do stuff for Khan Academy, but the uh, the videos are, are really, really good. And uh, I've been doing a bunch of them on uh, machine learning, neural networks, backpropagation, stuff like that. And... Um, Been quoted in some articles about smart meter security and Google AMP. uh, Coming to email, got some links there. And recommendations. If you are in InfoSec and you hear fellow InfoSec people bashing new technologies, like the IoT or machine learning or cryptocurrency or wearables, whatever, remind remind them that we're the shepherds in this play and that we should be the ones who are actually liking technology. We learn it backward and forward, and then we help individuals, businesses, and society use it safely. If people actually hate technology and just wish it would all go away, ask them why they're in security at all. Are they in it for the money? We should be technologists and advisors, not street corner preachers selling doom and gloom. And the second recommendation uh, comes from a Tibetan proverb. Eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. That's good enough to be an aphorism, but it's not because the aphorism this week is it doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is, and it doesn't matter how smart you are. If it doesn't agree with experiment, it's wrong doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is and it doesn't matter how smart you are if it doesn't agree with experiment it's wrong richard Feynman. all right thanks for listening to this episode of unsupervised learning and don't forget you can also get the show including all the links to the things i mentioned in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmeisler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode